Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode. Hey, guess what? Before we get into it, you might have heard, I am drafted to the two Ramagpies as a part of the Carlton Draft. I'm going to be playing a game, dominating, kicking six, and then resetting at quarter time. For the first time in Carlton Draft history, one lucky Victorian women's community club will get the chance to draft the AFLW GOAT, Erin Phillips, to play as a wild card. How bloody good's that? If you want to enter this now to get her down to your football club, visit thecarltondraft.com.au. That's thecarltondraft.com. This week on Dylan Friends, we have an amazing guest, Chantal Otten. Chantal is a Melbourne-based psychosexologist who is passionate about empowering people to feel great about their sexual health, self-esteem, communication, and education. She's an absolute master in her field and has become a pioneer in the psychosexology space here in Australia. Chantel's clinic and businesses are booming, which comes as no surprise with years of study under her belt, a determination and vision to break down taboos and make sex sexy for all of us. Cannot thank Chantel enough for joining me this week. She's an absolute star. Let's go. My name is Deborah, Dylan's mum. Welcome to the Dylan Friends Podcast. Many ways, I've been waiting my whole life for this moment. Tears. 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 Strength. I'm like, I run. She's like, yeah. everyone runs. I'm like, but does everyone go to Man. the Olympics? <laughs> They're sitting there meditating, going, oh my God, I think I'm meditating. How good is this? I'm meditating. It's like, I had a Wu Tang call. I was like, yo, Dylan, thanks for getting us in. Just love it's it. knuckle puck time. Yeah. It's like, it's like <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Chantel Otten, welcome to the Dylan Friends podcast, my friend. It's an honor, it's a privilege. Very excited having the studio today. Oh my god, I'm so excited! I'm even wrapping my gear. <laughs> well done, you look fantastic. I know. How exciting! I actually bought in today all glove three for you. So you wow. are the. I think you're probably the only person besides my mum mm. that owns the whole range. I've got so much stuff, and you know my staff have it as well. So my staff wear like their Dylan friends gear. It's so funny around the office. We're all wearing matching jumpers. That's so good. So yeah. I normally at the start of every episode, I like to precursor how we're friends. Mm. We go back about three months. Yeah, I reckon, a long, yeah. long relationship. It's been a short relationship, but a good one. What would you say your title is in my life? Like, what? How? Mm. How do we relate to each other? It's a good. It's a good question. I can I can probably tell yeah, you. Yeah, you tell I me, you, please. You babysat my dog for yeah, well, ten that's, minutes. I was thinking, that, I was thinking like <laughs> pet specialist, but like we've got one of those in, on the show. I do so. Yes, Saucy and I are friends. Yeah. Uh, Sammy, a producer, and and Dylan, your partner, Dylan Orcott, who's a, a big friend of ours at Dylan Friends. Mm. Um, we all just run into each other one day in, in Richmond, and you were going to look at a, a nice um nice little home that you guys were looking at purchasing. I think it was. Probably about seven stories, had a, you know, three pools, 15 bedrooms. That was us. <laughs> Did you end up getting that? No. <laughs> oh, my God. No, we were just curious because it is so hard to find a house that has like a lift or, a, yeah. or that's accessible because, as you know, my partner's in a wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, yeah. But I know with all the gigs that he's doing these days, it, was, it was probably wasn't expensive enough for him. So he passed in. I don't think it was it was good enough. But no, we did. And then Saucy yeah. obviously came with us and, and we looked mm. after the beautiful boy. And mm. I'll tell you what, he loves his mum because he did yeah. not like hanging out with me. No, nah, he's got major. I mean, we found that out a few minutes ago. I think I heard him bark when I yep. went to the bathroom. So major separation anxiety. And if you're listening, he's a miniature dasher. Yeah. And 
they are known for the separation anxiety to the max. My best mate has a dash hound and mm. he's just like, mate, we can't leave the house. Like he'll chew the blinds, he chews the cows. Yeah. Just massive, massive issues. So a um, bit like myself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All of us. Sorry to hear. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into it today. Don't worry. I feel like we're very open space. Now, Chantel, you are dominating. You are absolutely dominating. I'm not surprised. You're a pioneer. Um, it's honestly a privilege to have you in the studio. For those who don't know what you do, which is a small select few, and, and hoping today that I can introduce you to a few of, of my community, mm. beautiful community, um, what would you say your role is? Well, no, what is your role and what is your title and what is your profession? Yeah, that's such a good question. I'm sure a lot of your listeners don't know what I do, but um, I am a sexpert. So I'm a sexologist and I specialize in psychosexology, not as in like crazy but more like the psychology of sex um and so that means that i am an expert in the brain which is the biggest uh, sexual organ and i have uh, a background in science and medicine unbelievable so you again this is it's something so new i suppose and Mm. i was just chatting to sam and damon off air before about psychosexology um being a profession because for so long you know our awareness around mental health and our own brains is so big and it's so accepting and Mm. there's a place to go when you don't feel good but sex is one of those things that everyone goes through in life it's the way we keep living and people keep going through the world Mm. but there's been nothing actually for that specific field i suppose for so long and especially as young males uh you probably uh guarantee that you're just meant to know everything about you know your life and Mm. love and and not just sex but languages and relationships and meeting people and being happy and knowing what's best for you so it's an incredibly uh niche field that you are you're doing some huge things in i i think that uh maybe you've also seen a trend it's getting a lot more popular and sex is becoming sexy again which is something that i've always worked towards rather than just taboo and and rather than something that we all just do it's something that we we need to start finding more pleasure in and if we are having troubles which all of us will have myself included around sexuality there needs to be somewhere to go and um, i wanted to always create a safe space for for people to be able to come and, and talk to me about those kind of things and that you do uh how does one get into this field? I suppose let's go back to the start. Mm. Um, young girl, you grew up in Melbourne? Yes. What was your early life like? How did you sort of discover this was a field that you're passionate about? Yeah. Um, how'd you get into it? Well, I mean, I've always been a bit of a rat bag. Um, and I think that uh, as my mum said to me yesterday in a text, I was like, don't tell my dad about like I did a photo shoot, which is a little <laughs> bit more risky. And um, I was like, how do you love it? I was like, don't show my dad. And she, I'll get in trouble. And she's like, you're always in trouble, but that's fine. Like yeah. that's how it's always been. So um, I grew up in Melbourne in Marambina and I have Dutch parents and I have two younger brothers and an older sister who is disabled. And in our house, we just were really open and my parents didn't really believe in us watching television. So we were always out riding our bikes, like climbing trees in like climbing the roof. I don't know. They let us do whatever we wanted. But I guess um, like my parents are still together and I noticed like for a lot of my friends, their parents kind of going through troubles and I noticed how it affected my friends. So I guess um, I've always been very aware of how other people feel. I'm quite a big empath and I think that that just comes with 
you know, how you grow up and, you know, having a sister that needed a lot of care and, you know, having two younger brothers and also just having to find my own personality mm. as well. Um, so I, I've always been pretty aware of how other people feel. And then I did, like, I kind of powered through high school. I think I spent more time thinking about boys than I did school. Um, and then I got into psych when I finished school. And I knew I didn't want to be a generalized psychologist. I'm too goal orientated. I love business. I love naughty things. And um, I think, you know, I finished psych and I didn't know that sexology existed. So I was doing organizational psychology. And my mum called me one day and said, watch this TED talk by Esther Perel. So for anyone who's listening, if you haven't heard of Esther Perel, I highly recommend that you look her up because she is such a pioneer in how we think about taboo topics, especially around the fluidity of desire and also infidelity as well. So um, monogamy, non-monogamy, etc. And so I, um, I watched her TED talk and I thought, I'm going to try and be more like this woman who's from Belgium but I want to talk about sex and I want to talk about young people because she was looking at you know people who are married and people in long-term relationships and you know I wasn't in that space so I kind of went around Melbourne and met up with a lot of sex therapists to see what their life was like like how did you know is any of them working in a hospital are any of them having you know, a real wholesome kind of clinic. I felt like I wanted my clinic, if I was to have one, to look more like a wellness clinic, mm. be a really fun, safe space. And I just couldn't find that. Um, and I also couldn't find education for sexology. It wasn't in Melbourne. They had one course in Sydney at the time. Um, and then another one, I don't know where it is. It's somewhere, but I didn't do it. So, yeah. (laughs) So I did, um, the course that they had in Sydney was science medicine specializing in sexual medicine. So I enrolled in that and I was lucky enough to have um, flexibility to be able to not be there all the time. So I just had to do an intensive um, two weeks every six months and the rest of the course was online. So I thought, well, I'm just going to live overseas and do my sexology degree where people are getting the best um, education. So I went to Holland and I've got a Dutch passport um, and I did a sexology degree there whilst I was doing my science med degree in Australia. Um, and I partied a lot and I think I had a lot of um temporary boyfriends and I experienced a lot personally and I grew um, during that time and then I decided when I'd finished both of those courses because it it was pretty like hardcore you're working like I, I was kind of doing study during the day and then doing my Aussie studies at night and then you know also keeping up my social life and then flying back every six months um but I decided that I needed to learn more practically because I'm not like I'm not a great studier I'll, I can do it I think it just becomes ingrained but I'm very much a practical person so I did a internship with um, a gynecologist sexologist just about an hour outside of Amsterdam for a year and uh, she taught me everything Ingrid she also kicked my ass like she wouldn't let me leave unless I got a topic like right she was like you can't leave unless you grasp this wow. so it's kind of like being held hostage in a clinic but I <laughs> but I you know I learned everything from her and um it was amazing and then I moved back to Australia at 20 almost 27 that's unbelievable that's such an incredible pathway like mm. there were so many things there that I was like fuck that could be a podcast in itself and all those mm. segments because 
something you said really early that sort of trickles with me was about like growing up in a family with a healthy relationship yeah i think looking at like life now you know my parents wouldn't mind me saying this you know they were we we grew up in a healthy relationship not so much like they you know my parents never slept in the same room mm. you know they probably divorced when they were divorced they actually weren't married but they separated, separated when i was like 25 and i was like fuck that's so weird you know don't you don't mm. your parents like divorce when you're like eight you know like yeah. and then like that's how it works not when you're 24 and i always thought i was like does this is this going to affect my relationships when i'm older mm. you know like going forward because i didn't grow up with my parents loving each other necessarily but they're also still had enormous love for me if that makes sense well um was there animosity there no 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 so, so they did have respect yes. and love for each other it yeah. just wasn't romantic yes. love. it sounds like yeah yeah so that i i can imagine that maybe there would have been some times that you would have thought what is romantic love mm. how do i do it absolutely crazy yeah i was just thinking about that then mm. um what are the most common things that people come to see you for? Obviously, you've got your clinic, you've got online courses, mm. you have a cons- like. What would you call that now? Like, is it is it pretty similar to how you'd see a general psychologist? Yeah. So, except you don't need a referral to come see me. Unfortunately, sexology is not covered under Medicare in Australia, so it's out of pocket. Um, but I have a big practice. I've got twenty staff over in Collingwood, and you can just come in with any question that you have around sexuality. It doesn't mean that you have to do eight sessions. It means you might have one session where you want to get a few things off your chest and and talk to someone who knows, or it might be more of a long term thing. So, um, uh, what do I see? I mean, if we talk about vulva owners, I see sexual pain, desire issues. Um, vulva issues as well like dermatitis or, or pain on the vulva i see orgasm concerns i see stis i see sexual self-esteem and it's the same for penis owners as well so um premature ejaculation erectile dysfunction you know maybe if there's like a bend in the penis or if there's pain or if there's difficulty ejaculating or orgasm um, and then desire as well and then just like working with couples on how to make them feel like they can be more of an erotic couple so when i talk about sex i'm not talking about penis in vagina i'm talking about like everything under the sexual umbrella and even now like when you say this and you're so comfortable with this but i suppose being you know growing up as as a male and not being as comfortable with my sexuality as as you are now because you obviously studied this and it's Mm. you talk to people about it every day you practice (laughs) most days why do you think it's so hard for us to talk about is it just the way we've we've grown up you know not really being able to talk about this openly you know i i've throwbacks to the sex ed and it was one of those classes where i was like fuck i need to get into this and learn some stuff but would never ask a question yeah you know you sit there and you're like please just teach me but i don't want to ask anything yeah yeah because i mean it was really like if you look back at media from back in the day what were you watching like um was it american pie what's yeah. was that a, was yeah. that the movie you yeah. know how they were like everything was like so taboo and it was like so wild and there was a guy and he fucked a pie and it was like you know crazy like that is a media that we grew up with we looked at sex as more of a joke mm. we looked at women's safety and consent as a joke we looked at you know men and how they were meant to conquer sex and be passionate and be rough and you know it was very much about the penis owner and that is like the foundation that we we grew up with we also have inadequate sex education in australia so you're really left like questioning 
you know, I know like how to make a baby and I know maybe to put on a condom, but I don't know how to ask for it and I don't know how to do it and I don't know what happens if it goes wrong as well or who I turn to. And then maybe if you turn to a doctor, you go in and you ask them, you know, why why do I have erectile dysfunction or why have I got premature ejaculation? And they've had a one-hour lecture on sexual medicine in their medical degrees, so they're not quite sure on what to do either. So you're kind of thrown if you have a problem with sexuality into this real whirlwind of inadequate sex education along like multiple modalities if that makes sense no one's an expert Um, and I also think when sex is good it takes up like 10% of your mental capacity when sex is not going good it like takes up 80% or 90% you're thinking about it all the time and there's a lot of shame and like pushing it down and you can't talk to your friends about it because they wouldn't understand and your partner takes it personally and it can be a really vicious cycle how many times do you think like you've seen people back to back talking to them being like talking about an issue that's mm. that is taboo that they wouldn't want to talk about with someone else and you think fuck if only they knew this was so much more common than they thought yeah oh every day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um i think that like that's the reason why I'm, i keep going because it's also like my job is so exciting and it's so nice but it can be extremely taxing as well you know you're taking on people's deepest darkest thoughts and feelings and secrets and you're taking on you know maybe people have been suffering for months or years like a lot of my patients like have not had a diagnosis or have not been able to get help for at least like seven to nine years and they're coming in and they're so desperate for change so it's really about boundaries for yourself it's managing expectations and um you know i do so much more beyond my clinic that i have to also recognize that if i want to still be passionate about this i need to take some separation Mm. from it too once in a while and just have some fun 100 what would you say to someone then that is listening today that probably hasn't you know has just thought that this is the norm for them this is the way it's going to be issues that are arising that they might not know is an actual issue that can be fixed what would you say to them I I would definitely say come in and see a sexologist and if you don't get an answer from your sexologist find a different one it's like seeing a doctor you know not everyone's going to fit not everyone's going to give you what you need and not everyone specializes in your area I know that like there are some things that I'm not great at you know practicing with so I refer to one of my colleagues Mm. instead Um, and I do think it is about just knowing that it's completely normal to have these bumps in the road and all we need to do is just like move over the top of them with some help you need a big push and you need someone who's going to get in the passenger seat and do it with you so i always say to my patients when they come in it's you and me against the problem now or it's you me and your partner against the problem it's not us against each other it's not you and your partner against each other this is not something we ask for it's literally like a dark cloud that is hanging over the top of you and we want it to go away so we're going to try our best there you were saying a, a couple of minutes ago about how psychosexology isn't recognized by medicare yet or, or the government as something that you can get rebate on or you can see a part of your private health care plan mm. how important do you think that is for that to to start being recognized like obviously by your bookings and how busy you are it shows that there's a need for this that that is probably untapped 
Oh, my God, yeah. But, look, I think healthcare in general, like, there's so much to work through there. I definitely think that sexology is something that needs a lot more help. Um, And I think it would be amazing if people could have some funding for it too because, you know, if you think about it in the scheme of things, if maybe you do, like, what, like five sessions, it'll cost you $1,000 or so to work on your sexual health and hopefully get some answers so a lot of people aren't able to sacrifice that at the moment especially after coronavirus Mm. Um, and I do think it is quite a you know it can be quite challenging for a couple to be able to I guess redeem that that spend um, which is why I put so much content out there into the world to try and you know make people think a little bit more or look for other resources that might not be as expensive but also if you do spend it I guess you get to where you need to get to quicker it's a bit of an investment isn't it it is it's and you know what I'd pay a thousand dollars for my sex life to be okay I think people spend more money on um, like drugs like Mm. uh, prescription drugs to make their sex life better yeah Hello, my beautiful friends and family. Guess what? I am back. I am back. Third time lucky. My third time drafted in my life. I'll be making a return to footy as a part of the Carlton Draft, along with some big household names. Not as big as my name, but uh, some quite big names. Isaac Smith, Trent Cotchen, Matty Lloyd, Lee Montagna. Some of the all-time greats of our game, as I've just mentioned. One lucky Victorian women's community club will get the chance to draft the AFLW GOAT Aaron Phillips to play as a wild card. How bloody good is that? If you're a part of women's community footy and you are keen to get Aaron down, enter now at thecarltondraft.com.au. That's thecarltondraft.com.au. Love languages. It's something that I'm super interested in. Mm. I've done the most basic of research on how this works because I suppose I talked to my partner, Justine, about this a lot. We are... You know, I, she's the love of my life. The most beautiful woman in the world. We are so, you know, I'm so happy we're beautiful. But I annoy the fuck out of her. Like, I am the most over-affectionate. Like, I just, every time I see her, I just want to be, like, hugging her, tell her how much I love her. Yeah. And she's had to put in boundaries. We've got rules now. Like, Aww. I'm only allowed to hug her three <laughs> times a day. Like, because, <laughs> like, it just gets too much. Um, And I know that I, like... I just want to hug her and just be with her because I'm an affectionate person. Mm. But it's actually, the more I do that, it's actually pushing her away more. Yeah. And for her, like she's, you know, the way she shows love is she, you know, she she does things. She's just a real doer. Like she'll plan us to go out for nice lunches and, you know, buy beautiful things for the house. And that's how she expresses her love. Yeah. So I'm always like in this battle of being like two people in a relationship. It's oft, probably often that they've got different ways of, of showing their love. Yeah. How important is this to understand what your love language is and how you receive love and what your partner's is as well? So should I explain a little bit more about what love language is? I think is? we should. I've probably just jumped right into it, yeah. All right. So love languages is a questionnaire. It's a quiz that was made up by a psychologist. It's really actually spot on. Basically, it explains that the way that we show love to others is the way that we want to receive love. So you are saying to me, 
I want some hugs. I want some cuddles. I want some kisses. I want some skin on skin. That is how you want Justine to show you love. Yep. So you're putting that onto her. But, yep. you know, she's saying, I, you know, she loves doing acts of service. So maybe she wants you to do more acts of service. Yes. Basically, we have to look at what our partner wants from us in order to feel loved. And we have to find a balance there. So it comes up with our top priorities. And if we look at the results, of the quiz um the love languages are acts of service physical affection receiving gifts words of affirmation and physical touch and i'm a big believer in doing love languages because i think that it actually sorts out a lot of relationship problems as well but the key is to actually come to an agreement together if you need more than three hugs in a week like in a day, sorry, to feel love, then that is something that you need to negotiate with your partner, especially if you're having a rough week. Like you might go, babe, I know I've hit my max today, but I just need like 10. <laughs> I need 10 hugs today or I need to just lie down next to you for a little bit or we need to snuggle on the couch and I'm going to do some more acts of service for you as well to make sure that you're feeling loved and cared for. And I think that um, once you can find out what your partner's love language is, it is about the communication around that. You have your top love languages but i also believe in incorporating all the love languages mm. just obviously putting um a preference on the top uh results for your partner 100 i think you're so right there. the last bit is like all of those loving languages have a place mm. the the as i say probably sounds like i'm harassing my partner i'm, I'm not please out there don't worry she's, i would she's fine. <laughs> um but no it, it's funny because you know like with that as well when there's times where you always want what you can't have. So then there's times where I'm on the couch, I just want to be by myself. And then mm. she'll try and, you know, your partner tries to cuddle you and you're like, please remove yourself from me. I just mm. want my own time right now. Mm. But I found the best thing for me in my relationship and she's the most private person in the world, so she's going to be absolutely hating this right now. But I know that when, you know, she's had a bad day or been upset, straight away I'll go home, clean the house, make the bed, mm. cook dinner. And that's like the Amazing. biggest way that I can show love to her. So I think it's just the importance, as you said, is finding what is the strongest one for your partner mm. and, and knowing that what that can make them happy the most. Totally. And, you know, what you described to me before as well is you're sometimes like, I really need a hug and she'll distance herself. So that's classic pursuer distance yeah. behavior. So Keeps some- me, trade a man keeping keen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it teaches yeah, you're always wanting more for sure. But as long as there's not like resentment there, as long as it doesn't bubble over into your relationship, I think it is really about finding that sweet spot as well. And I think you absolutely nailed it. You know what your partner needs when she's feeling flat. Mm. And um, she, it sounds like she really knows what you need as well. I do think as well, though, if you're not sure, if you're listening to this and you hear these kind of behaviors or you can tell that sometimes your partner might get annoyed at you for certain things and you're like, how do I make this person happy? I would suggest doing the love languages and also suggest um, really taking some time to find out how often you're practicing these love languages, you know, how often is it meaningful as well? Um, and if you're constantly pursuing, I would suggest stop pursuing and just wait and see what happens because yeah. your partner will come back to you. 100%. I think as well, as you said, the biggest one, you've always just got to have that common ground and that's quality time. I reckon that's like, I don't know, this is your field, but I feel most relationships, you just need that quality time together. Yeah. I know that's when 
you know, we're happiest and most is when we're doing things. Like every morning we go for a walk. We love like walking the dog, getting mm-hmm. coffee, having your like special thing that you do together, just you two. Yeah. I think that's super important. And I think also just away from screen time and having some really good conversations is something that's so important as well. Um, I think that unfortunately for our generation, we are, you know, and and like you and I also have businesses that are based around social media and media in general. Sometimes we can be way too attached to what's going on on our screens and not actually focused on what's going on with the person sitting next to us. So I'm a really big believer in putting away your phones once in a while. I've been so bad at this. Like, as you would know, we were talking before about yourself and Dylan. It's so hard. You're so like the two busiest people in Australia. I'd like to think that I'm in the top 3,000 in oh, there somewhere. Are you number three? 3,000. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true. Like, I remember when I come home and, and not that, you know, um, my partner com- complains about this, but I really struggle to switch off. So, it's like I walk in the door. I'm on my phone, especially... You know, I know some people laugh at, at work being on social media and being online, but it's a legitimate business. It is hard, but it makes it actually 10 times harder to switch off because you're never away from it. Yeah. What would you say to people that are on their phone all the time? Because I know for, for certain that does annoy my partner. Yeah, look, I think it's a really hard thing to navigate as well because part of your job, part of my job, part of Dylan's job is to stay up to date with what's going on. But I'm, I'm always like, it'll still be there the next day. Yeah. I have to check myself. What am I scrolling for? Like, I don't even care right now. And I think like burning out from being on like your media sources all the time is a legitimate thing. So if you can have some time, like literally just like 45 minutes in a day where you're not attached to your phone is super important. I think it's really tough. I'm not like saying that this is easy because we are getting, you know, endorphin hits from our screen and from knowing everything the second it happens, we get that dopamine hit and that is our bonding hormone Um, and we want it all the time. It makes us feel really good. But try and put it away and actually just see like who is Dylan without his phone? Who is Chantel without her phone? And like once in a while you'll be surprised at like where your mind goes and i'm i i think it's important to have dreams and i think it's important to have space to digest as well yeah for sure i was in tasmania over the weekend and had no reception love that the first 12 hours i was like severely anxious like Mm. without it i was like how do i just you know what if someone needs to get onto me what what if like something's happened and they need to call me but after that like i just chilled out and i was like this is fucking beautiful like i can't do anything right now yeah and even find like when i'm on the couch on my phone, I'm like, maybe I should just turn this off. Instead of it being there, it's actually easier when it runs out of battery. Yeah. And you just relax. Yeah. That's a top for another time. Mm. Um, I spoke to a few of my mates um, about some questions. I said, I got Chantel coming on. I said, beautiful. What are some questions you'd want to know? Okay. And two of them said, you know, they had some legitimate questions. And they were like, one is a, you know, 30 year old guy. He's had two relationships in his life, but never has been like in a long term relationship before. Mm-hmm. Is this something that you would see someone about that could actually, you know, say, like, why can't they find this? Is it something to do with, you know, them? Have they just not met the right person yet? Is it the mindset they're in? Yeah, this is like one of my favorite um, types of patients. So I generally see long-term patients, people that, yeah, can't get a relationship or have never had sex. I see, you know, a lot of people who are like in their 40s that have never been in a relationship nor had sex. Um, And I see a lot of trauma patients. And I think that for your friend, it just sounds like there's a few things, there's a few blockages 
that are going on in him, maybe he hasn't met the right person or maybe there is a blockage there. You know, I think that it sounds like maybe he hasn't found the right type of person for him or maybe he doesn't know who he is yet or maybe there's something that's just stopping him from going that longer distance with someone. I do, you know, like I think it's pretty self-explanatory that long-term relationships have their challenges and we have this thing when we get into a relationship that you know we find fun and exciting for the first 12 to 18 months like everything's so fun and you're like we're in love and maybe we'll get married and it's so exciting and you're having sex like five times a day and then it hits that like 18 month mark and you're like hang on the passion's it's gone down like what's happening here and you start to think do I still love this person do I still want to be with this person and it is about actually knowing that that is a legitimate thing it's called limerence that first 18 months so it's like when people say like the honeymoon phase is that like it's a thing yeah yeah so it's actually when all your endorphins are really really high so your dopamine your oxytocin these are all your love and your bonding hormones they fuel this romantic love and then when that dies down you just fall into generalized love and that's why a lot of people get married in the first 18 months you know i've done it i've done the elopement at 11 months and it didn't work out yeah. but you know what it was fun at the time and I know a lot of people that have gone into relationships and they're like, you know, this is the one, this is the person for me. And then they get to 18 months and they're like, oh, there's all these things about my person that, you know, kind of annoy me. And that's when you have to think, do I wake up, can I wake up every day and still choose this person lying next to me? Can I accept that they come with flaws? Can I navigate these flaws and turn this into more of a longer term relationship? And that is what happens in relationships. So maybe your partner, uh, your friend has not been able to move past that limerence yeah. phase. I don't know how long his other relationships yeah, were. I, actually, yeah. But it's, well, that probably leads me on to the next point. And this was the most commonly asked question. And I suppose you would get this as well mm. reigniting a flame in a relationship yeah. that stage after you said past you've moved past that stage long-term relationships i'm sure you'd see a lot of couples a lot of the time how does this happen how do you do these things it probably comes back to the love languages earlier yeah yeah absolutely it's also about like priorities i think that sex after that limerence that honeymoon phase we're expecting it to happen really naturally but it's not natural like sex is not spontaneous your whole relationship it is actually something that is more responsive so you have to purposefully make time for sex and talk about sex and you also need to like spice it up a little bit you know if you go into sex having the same menu every single time it would be like every time i saw you with dylan and with justine we'd go out for dinner and we'd have the same food every single time we we'd just get sick of it and we'd start maybe bailing on our you know couple states together because we know what to expect and i think it's the same in the bedroom if you can mix up your sexual menu and add a few different things a few spices that will help but you also need to be able to have a conversation about that and you need to make sure that you are engaging in time that you're prioritizing with sex so you do have to schedule it once in a while you do need to talk about when your opportunities are especially if you've got dogs or kids or other responsibilities as well so i suppose in talking about males because this is mainly probably generated show for males and i'm hoping that they can be more open with this what are some of the main things that they come to you for to see is it you know coming out in their own sexuality relationships with their partners um you know dysfunction of of their own 
organs yeah yeah of course i mean i love the way you say it it's wonderful um i think that it is all of the above it's anything but yeah of course i think there's a lot of penis problems that people come to see me for because they like literally don't know where to go um and i think a lot of people will try things that they'll purchase online like viagra or cialis but um if you think about it a lot of sexual problems are to do with the brain and it's to do with anxiety and i think it's also like lifestyle as well so um if i see someone who's having maybe problems with knowing how to express themselves in the bedroom or knowing how to express their sexuality that's something that we can work on if they're having problems with erections or premature ejaculation i mean that's super common um at age 30 you have a 30 percent chance of erectile dysfunction and i'm saying this is more long-term erectile dysfunction everyone with a penis will lose their erection once in a while and that's fine it might be too many drinks they might be too stressed they might be bloody tired that's all normal if it becomes an issue for them. It becomes a psychological thing. And they start to get nervous every time they go in the bedroom Mm. and going, oh my God, will my penis work this time? And that will raise the cortisol in their body, which means that their body will go into their sympathetic nervous system, which is their stress response. That's fight, flight, or freeze. As soon as that happens, the penis is not gonna work. And it's the same with orgasm as well. If you start thinking, ah, I need to be able to um, ejaculate, you know, beyond a minute or whatever, or I need to ejaculate now, like it needs to happen because, you know, my partner's done. As soon as you start thinking about having an orgasm, it gets further and further away from you. And and this is honest, when you're saying this now, I like had flashbacks of when I was like playing footy and I would have the exact anxiety that you were talking about in Mm. performance for on Mm. field, like it's exactly the same. Yeah, it's performance anxiety. And I think that is the crux of what people come to me about. Speaking of males, one thing even coming in my head today, getting on the show, I've been wanting to do this for so long, so excited. But I thought when we first met, I'm not going to ask straight away. I'm going to just build the relationship mm-hmm. a bit first. But I panicked then because I was like, fuck, is this going to make me sound like the biggest creep ever? Like being yeah. a guy asking a female for you know sexual advice. Mm. Is that something that you find in males is prevalent? Like, because I I know, for example, like I'm really comfortable talking about this with my mates, but it's hard to talk about this in a a social platform plus with a a female as well. Yeah, I totally get that. Um, I think that's super common. And I do think that there is, I guess, a bit of a stigma around how you're talking about it because there are, you know, there's toxic masculinity. And I think that's what you're kind of referring to. That's honestly, as a male that does the right thing mm. like that's the time you do not want to be like anywhere near that and no. it is like when you're pushing those boundaries uh like you know i suppose we are today talking about taboo topics the last thing as a male that you want to be is like a creep or pushing the boundaries mm. and and putting things on people that they don't want to hear yeah and i think it's it's hard at the moment especially because like tv shows that we're watching are showing really prime examples like married at first sight you see just such bad examples of toxic masculinity and i think people are angry and i do get why there's some fear around wanting to ask some questions that are more vulnerable but also you know have um I guess sexual innuendos or sexual questions in general, you don't want to come off in a way that's like, am I being weird? Is Mm. it inappropriate for me to ask this? And you know what? I think the way that you're asking is super important. So if you come off from a place of curiosity, and that's the most fundamental thing in any person and any sexual relationship, you have to be curious. If you're coming off in a way that's like, 
I'm actually not sure. Like you asking me these questions and your friends telling you those questions means that you're being vulnerable. And I think there's beauty in that. And I think that that is very far away from toxic masculinity. So there's not a problem with asking those questions. I'm also an expert. You know, it's not like you're just asking a random on the street. That's very it's true. my job to answer these yeah. questions. Maybe if you go up to someone random, don't do mm. that. If anyone is listening, it's go to the right people for that. But yeah. I think you're so right with the toxic um, masculinity. It's such mm. a, it, it is prevalent. And I know a yeah. lot of males get upset about it. You know, as yeah. soon as someone says this is, and they go, oh, that's, that's not me though. Yeah. It's like, we know it's not you, but yeah. unfortunately history has shown that it is, you know, prevalent and we have to, we have to really, you know, look at these things now and accept it and and do the right thing. And, you know, I I feel that especially people listening to this show, um, the community is so good and and really open for for those sort of things and and understand that. And Mm. um, yeah, you know, I think there's some big, big steps that have been taken, but obviously more that that do as well. Yeah, there's always, there's always more to do. We want to keep improving and, and keep moving forward. I think it's a great topic. Talk us through what else you've got available for people to learn um, mm. by this podcast. You've got obviously your socials, which is going absolutely off. It's uh, We'll get that in the show notes. Chantel Otten underscore sexologist. Yeah, Chantel underscore Otten underscore sexologist. And you've got some online courses as well now? Yeah, and I'm so excited. I'm making a whole bunch of new ones. And like this is new for me because I am, um, whilst I'm an extrovert i'm actually an introvert so i'm an extroverted introvert <laughs> oh, I love, so am i yeah this is so true because do you know i'm sure you would definitely know a lot about this extrovert introvert business mm. i only learned about it recently like you actually think people that are loud extroverts people that are quite introverts it's so different isn't mm. it it's where you get your energy from yeah. not what you actually perceive yeah it's more like so extroverts really get their energy from other people and i definitely have a lot of those characteristics but i need space and i need time to be creative and i need to be alone once in a while just doing me and i think that you know i don't know how you feel but once in a while it's like you don't prioritize that and then you're like why am i so drained yeah. everyone's like everyone's annoying me <laughs> oh mate that is 100 me as soon yeah. as i'm outside i'm like everyone talk to me as soon as the door closes, i'm like fuck off just yeah. leave me alone yeah. just let me sit in my room by myself yeah. sorry back to the course i got excited about no 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 i'm excited because i'm um like for me to be behind a camera and doing all these things it's something i've had to teach myself a lot about doing and i think also like um in terms of procrastination i've been so busy with all my other projects i haven't had time to focus on making new courses but i've made some new ones and they're getting filmed over the next couple of months and they're going to be really good for people to learn um that don't have i guess the accessibility to come see me in person so these courses are they for people that want to study sexology or are they for people that just want to learn more that aren't it's you know what there's a few so there's people who want to become a sexologist but i'm you know i'm not providing a qualification there of course it's more for those individuals out there so for every one person that comes and sees me there's like thousands more people with the same exact problem so it's more of a starter foundation course for how you can understand whatever sexual concern you have and hopefully hopefully i give you some resources to help with overcoming that where can we access them well i'm assuming it'll probably be on my website yeah, but um yeah, yeah i would just i would just wait and from, see from what sam was telling me earlier yeah, yeah. <laughs> no yeah. it definitely is we were we were checking them out before the yeah. huge and you have got a awesome release coming in october which yeah. is very exciting yeah um you've ticked every box but now you're becoming an author i know how did i get here it's like also i don't know um 
what uh, education you guys have done, but you know, Not like much. when you do a really big, yeah. you know, when you do a really big project and you're working your ass off for it for months and then you just never want to see it again. Like yeah. this is my book right now. It's yeah. PTSD for me, <laughs> um, but I'm excited for it to come out. So I'm doing my first rounds of um, edits over the next three weeks or so. And then it should come out in October. And that is Sex Ed for Adults. So what's, what's in this book? It's everything. It's everything that you didn't learn you know it's everything that you didn't learn in school so it's it's talking about like the anatomy of the penis the anatomy of the vulva and i really encourage everyone to learn about all anatomies it's a you know it talks about intersex it talks about um it talks about sexual concerns it talks about what goes on in the body it talks about how to have fun what's what kind of sex toys are out there so it's literally anything and everything i could have thought of and that i had time to write in this book (laughs) how if we can get an appointment with you i know you're super busy um Mm -hmm. one of the most sought after psychosexologists in i'm gonna say the world okay i haven't done much research but i'm gonna say that's so flattering (laughs) that's so flattering but not true (laughs) uh, how can we get in touch with you www.chantelotten.com it's super simple and narcissistic (laughs) (laughs) what's next like what is next for you i know we talk about this a lot Mm. but um you know absolutely love your partner as well dylan you Mm. guys are just so you like this power couple i want to say you're just dominating what what are you guys what's plans for you both like what what are you what are you up to Uh, look this is something i question every day at the moment because i'm such a um Every, like time will bring me to where I need to be. I'm You're a universe a, girl? Yeah. I'm, I'm oh, a no, universe guy. I'm just like, I'm not, yeah, the universe will t- take me. I'm not a planner. I'm okay. very spontaneous. I'm like where I need to go will happen because mm. everything in my life that has led me to where I am was super spontaneous. How I met Dylan was spontaneous. How I became a sexologist was spontaneous. And I'm a really big believer when I know it will it will have a reaction in my body and I'll just go in that direction. So I'm not quite sure just yet. No, is there anything else that you've got set for the future? Is there anything you want to achieve or you're just going to let it come? I would love like I would love to do a podcast, but I'm too like scared right now. I you've think got it. You've done I know I've got no okay. I do have one podcast, but that's like me in my room. I think like I would love to do more around sexology. They, my podcast is Sexy Stories, so people send me in their sexual stories and I read it out in a very sultry way. Yep. Um, that was cool. And it helps people <laughs> get off. <laughs> um, but I would, you know, I actually do have plans over the next two months to do um, some podcast recordings, especially because Dylan is going away for French Open in Wimbledon. Um, and I'm going to be here with Source, sticking around and knuckling down on those projects. But I would love to have a TV show. I think that would be really fun. That's just like, you know, even if it's just on YouTube where people can come and like talk openly about sex or that there's some fun adventures. I'd love to go around the world and learn about sexuality in different cultures as well. I feel like for you having a podcast, like this is a roadcaster, right? You mm. can hook this up to a phone. Okay. okay. I'm just, I love ideas Scares about podcasting. <laughs> so you hooked up to a phone. Imagine you've just got your own like live radio show where people call in and yeah. answer questions live. Like Perfect. I'm a guy, obviously. Yeah. Um, well, mm-hmm. not obviously, but obviously. And <laughs> as a kid, this is so fucking weird that I'm saying this. <laughs> but like my sister used to get like those Dolly magazines, for yeah. example. And I just love reading them like because you just love mm. learning about that sort of thing, you know, like Googling all this. But now these days with podcasts, I've listened to all your podcasts. Um, there's a uh, like obviously on Spotify and Apple, all your podcasts. Um, not so much the other one, but I will probably have to check that Sexy out as well. Sexy stories. Yeah. I'll send it to you. Please do. <laughs> um, but just about like learning about these things because they're so taboo. Mm. 
podcasting is literally the best way to nearly, you know, listen mm. to this and, and take it on board. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I just think like I'm a really unorganized person yeah. and it's the organization that scares me, not the actual podcasting. That's probably good for me to clarify. I need help. <laughs> I need a team. Guys, yeah. I'm looking at you. <laughs> There's two in the best in the business here. We're moving uh, to a new studio soon. We're going to have some new spaces. So Love it. watch this space. Uh, Everyone. Daph Chantel collab. Um, mm. I will not be a part of this because I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> Chantel, seriously, I have learned. Well, I didn't know anything about anything, so I've mm. learned a lot today. Um, I hope that you, you know, congratulations for being understand half of my questions. Mm. And I know, sorry, that so many people have got so much out of it. You're doing incredible things. You're breaking you. down so many barriers for people. Um, you should be extremely proud of yourself for, for what you've done. I know you are. And um, yeah, it's an absolute honor and pleasure to, to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I've Super loved it. Star. And thanks, also. He's been such a good little boy. He He's loves got a turtleneck on. You know what? <laughs> That's a good <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show. Normally, the bonus Q&A is for Dill and Best Friend, Patreon subscribers only. But I thought there were so many awesome points in this week's Q&A that this week, it's for all to enjoy. If you wanted more content, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash Dylan Friends. Chantal, and this is the real side of this podcast here, Dylan Best Friends. These are my best friends. Uh, they're very excited. We love you. Uh, to to hear some some more stories. Now I put in there. I was like, guys and girls, please ask some questions. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, I didn't have the right platform to do that for the DMs and be mm. private, so it was sort of hard to to get some. But we went through yours because you've obviously get millions of DMs a day. Yeah. What are some of your questions you've got for us to to answer? Millions was was maybe a little bit of an hundreds of, hundreds <laughs> million, hundreds of millions millions and millions. <laughs> um, I think one of the top ones that I get a DM about is. Uh, from a penis owner saying my partner can't have an orgasm and I'm really not sure why like what am I doing and I think that the main thing is don't focus on penetrative orgasms also don't preface orgasm as like a a successful sexual encounter you don't need to have an orgasm to have the best time ever you do need to have pleasure but I also think like if you're trying to aim for an orgasm try clitoral play or try a clitoral vibrator as well, like a womanizer. Don't be scared to add some sex toys in because at the end of the day, they just do some things that your penis can't. Like they vibrate and they have mm. different patterns. Your mind doesn't do that. No, no I'm really sorry to hear. I haven't heard of many people who do have no. a vibrating penis. No. But um, it is important to make sure that you are creative with your sex life and creative with the imagination around it and that you can have fun in there because... If you are always having the same type of sex and if you are expecting your partner to come off like jackhammering them, it's just not going to work. Like they don't want that. They want you to go downtown. They want you to whip out a toy. They want you to use your fingers, lots of lube, and they want to have your full attention on their clitoris. Just on that with the the jackhammering, um, Mm. referencing that, how much does porn play like a bad role in a healthy sexual relationship? I think that porn has got a really negative connotation for many reasons. Um, First of all, porn was looked at from an educational perspective for all of us that weren't able to get sex education in school. But porn is not meant for education. It's meant for entertainment. Alongside that, it's not really like there there hasn't been many in the past um, 
pornography directors or creators that have focused on female or vulva pleasure you know there's a lack of diversity in there as well so there's not many trans folk in there um, and there's not a huge amount of attention on the clitoris so it's really just about getting pumped like Mm. literally getting pummeled there's no consent there's no um contraception and it seems to be the way that people think you're meant to have sex you know there's a lot of loud noises it's very performative And I think that's where the problem is. Yep, huge. So the next question that I get is I have been taking Viagra or Cialis, which are both medications to help get an erection. So they make the vessel, the blood vessels dilate so that you're able to get blood flow down to the penis and then the penis blocks off that blood to make you have an erection. However, if you've been taking them and they're not working so well, you do need to look at a few things. First of all, why are you getting erectile dysfunction? A lot of the time erectile dysfunction, if it's coming on later in life and if it's more chronic can be an indicator that there are other health conditions going on so you do need to see a urologist that will help out with that Um, and I also think if you're taking Viagra but you're getting in there and you're getting that performance anxiety that we have spoken about before um, and you're getting nervous you are going to your penis is just not going to work it's not going to want to cooperate with you because it thinks that you're in survival mode and that you need to make sure that you're safe Um, so I also think that it's about training the brain to make sure that you can go into an erotic situation and have fun and find pleasure. And also there's nothing wrong with a soft cock. Just play with it, you know, have some fun with it. Um, And hopefully your partner will be able to understand and know that it's not personal as well, which probably leads into our next question. Does Yeah, so um, a lot of people say to me, I have difficulties in the bedroom. Maybe they ejaculate too quickly or maybe they lose their erections Um, or maybe they just have low desire for a period of time, which is super normal. We're going to have stages where we have high desire and low desire. It depends on your priorities at the time. Um, If your partner is taking it personally and it's impacting on your relationship, it's also going to make you not want to have sex too because if you're going towards sex and thinking I'm going to disappoint them or if it doesn't go the way that we plan it and it goes wrong, then my partner's going to get upset. This is not like positive reinforcement. This is negative reinforcement. This is saying that every single time you're going to go into the bedroom, you have a huge expectation on yourself to perform. And I think that's important for me to work with you as an individual and then you and your partner as a couple to make sure that you're going to, I guess, reframe what your sexuality is and reframe what to do in the bedroom without having that pressure and expectation. It's not about the partners. It's never about the partners. It's all about yourself. But if your partner is being critical, then you know that there's something to work on. Huge, massive. That's match three massive points. Saucy's having the time of his life here. Oh, that's cute. That's really cute. Um, that's no, that's incredible, uh, Chantelle. That's so so good. Mm. I think, uh, as I said earlier, you've helped out so many people. Now these questions aren't going to be as hard hitting as those ones that you're getting. Similar topic though. What's your favourite film or TV series? Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so I love Law and Order SVU. No, <laughs> no, that is so no. That is I the... have the biggest crush on Which Elliot one? Stabler. Um, <laughs> is that the one the special victims yeah, unit? Special victim. dun, dun. Yeah. Um, I also love this American show called Bosch. So I think I just have like Dylan Noses. I just have a thing for older guys. Like okay. yeah. Um, so the silver foxes. Oh my god. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're not going to delve into no. my past, but there's a few in there. Um, yeah. And I I love like crime series. I think it, they're like amazing. Do you like crime podcasts? Yes, I do. Okay, I like white collar crime, crime as well. White collar. Have you listened yeah. to the Sure Thing? Yeah, I just, I just binged it in a day. It is unbelievable. For those who haven't heard, it's about a uh, um, bank, two young guys from Melbourne. Fraud. That, yeah, fraud money mm. into like millions of money. How much do you hate the other guy? Oh my god, I hate him! And I was and googling him, and so he just accepting of him. Like, I love he's very compassionate, and he's very um, accountable. And I'm so into accountability at the moment; it's a huge part of my life right now that I'm focusing on. People just taking accountability and not even talking about the other person, just owning their shit yeah. is so great. It's pretty powerful. I think that's the biggest thing is owning your shit because when the moment people don't, and you try and defend yourself, that's when you get yourself into trouble. Mm-hmm. Massively. Absolutely. Two more I'm going to tell you is Trace podcast. I don't know if you've heard them. One is about um, a, a crime that happened in on High Street, um, a murder by a priest, and it's been reopened since they did oh. it with ABC Trace season one. Season two is Nicola Gobbo, the lawyer ex. Oh, yeah. I listened to that one. I haven't listened to the first season. <laughs> Unbelievable. So get into those two. Um, last but not least, motto. What's your motto? The attitude is gratitude. Love that. Every day. Love that. The attitude is gratitude. <laughs> I'm stealing it. I'm yeah. using that's a new motto of the show. You've heard it. Attitude is gratitude by Dylan Buckley. That's my new quote. <laughs> no. <laughs> my- I'm going to have to go home and copyright it now. <laughs> I'm sure other people have used it. but Honestly, I like I love that quote. What does mm. that mean to you, though, in general? Like, Is gratitude a massive part of your life? Yeah. It's not like I go around saying, like, I'm so grateful for this, but I think about it all yeah. the time. Like, I feel like I'm in such a fortunate situation and... And um, I really do believe that like time and the universe will bring you what you want. And it has done that for me. And I've worked through so many things that have not been my time, nor my person, nor my place. And I'm really in a great space right now because of the universe. So I'm really grateful for where I'm at. Love that. Being a psychologist, I'm sure you would know the the hypothalamus. Mm -hmm. That's the only part of the brain I know because of gratitude. I did a a test a long time ago when we were at when I was playing footy and they taught us about the hypothalamus and how when you're grateful, that's the only action that... The only part of the brain that will be action. that's it. So when you're grateful, that's the only part of the brain that will turn on, which turns on your determination. Yeah. So I've loved it ever since then. The more grateful I've been, the better things happen. The more energy I have, the more determined I am. Yeah, absolutely. And look, it's not always easy. It's about taking time to make sure that you have space to really focus on what you're grateful for and not feel flooded with all your other tasks. But I think that that's something really important to just focus on. What am I doing this for? You know, the attitude is gratitude. I'm doing it for purpose. Chantel, you're an absolute star. Thank it's you. Pleasure. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. It's, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Pressure. It's fucking pretty, pretty cool. Hey, thanks so much for coming on. If that wasn't enough for you and you want even more, you're in luck. Dylan Friends is now on Patreon. Dylan Best Friends. If you'd like to learn more, you can head to patreon.com forward slash Dylan Friends or you can head to the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Dylan Friends podcast. If you liked the show, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, leave a review, or even share with your friends. The show is produced by myself and Sam Bonza. Damon Jackman from Creative Edge Films is responsible for audio and visual production. The show is recorded at the Dylan Friends studio in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to get in touch or suggest a guest or advertise with the Dylan Friends podcast, please email us at inquiries at dylanfriends.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.